Good afternoon, Chuck Morse in my ongoing experiment here with online radio. Um, I am uh, giving out a phone number and hoping to get some calls. Uh, the number here live is 617-936-4830. That number again is 617-936-4830. The first caller will get a free copy of my book published by WorldNet Daily, The Nazi Connection to Islamic Terrorism. Uh, you'll have to email me your address off the air, of course. Uh, my email address is number 4 at gmail.com, and I will send you out a free signed copy of my book, which was published in 2010, among my other books, which are self-published and available at amazon.com. Let's get in a quick plug here, but so be it. Um, I've got guests lined up uh, this week and next. I'm excited about building an online community with live programming every day at noon, Monday through Friday, except on days when I can't do it. That's the beauty of, of the internet radio. Uh, but I'm going to try to be as consistent as possible and do the program daily. I'm reading an interesting book right now. It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Viktor Frankl was a, um, a psychotherapist in Vienna before World War II. It was sort of the, Vienna was the hotbed of so-called progressivism and, and this new science of psychotherapy. Uh, Frankl was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud and Alfred Adler, both of whom went on to become very famous leaders in establishment psychotherapy. Um, Adler was... Uh, as a Jew, he was arrested and sent to the um, Nazi concentration camps in 1942 or 1943, I believe. Came out in 1945. This book is all about his experiences there and how it shaped his views and his psychology. And the interesting thing about Frankel is that um, he he really relied upon his internal, both intellectual and spiritual core to survive unspeakable conditions, conditions by which younger, stronger men and women did not survive, who maybe didn't have that same internal ability. And he came out and he developed this therapy, he moved back to his home in Vienna, his pregnant wife, his parents, his brother, all murdered by the Nazis. And he developed this therapy called logotherapy, <clears throat> which it deals with the search for meaning, which he feels is the purpose of life. It's actually a very Judaic and a very Judeo-Christian idea. Um, he, um, he viewed the search for meaning in the context of the, the moral and ethical code of religion, of, of Judaism, of Christianity. Um, and in fact, he was a relatively observant Jew. He wrapped to fill in every, every day, apparently, and uh, makes many references in the book to, uh, to his belief in, 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 a in a God and in a moral code that is un beyond the manipulation of, of man. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because today is because um, Maybe inadvertently, but maybe more directly, Viktor Frankl mentions both Freud and Adler 
and their philosophy, and that both the three men are considered the founders of the three schools of psychotherapy, with Frankel, of course, being discredited by the establishment, and I'll get into that in a minute. But the, the first school, that being uh, Sigmund Freud, he refers to it as the, as the will to pleasure. The second school, Alfred Adler, is the will to power. And, of course, Frankel's school is the will to meaning. Now, the will to pleasure, which was Sigmund Freud's thing, I mean, it was all about sex. Uh, it was certainly about drug use because apparently he was um, – using various mind-altering drugs, and he was sleeping with his sister, his, 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 um, his wife's sister, which was considered, a, 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 you know, not just adultery, but incest, doing it in his own home, right, while his children were there and his wife. And um, his whole philosophy of free love has been described by many as a way to expiate his own guilt for his own sin, by removing the concept of sin. Um, th this idea, this will to pleasure is that it, it draws from the Epicurean idea that whatever feels good is good, that pleasure is the ultimate virtue. Freud coined the term polymorphous perversity, which is that in a sexual sense, whatever you, you know, whatever goes, goes. Um, Anything is permissible with anyone at any time in any situation and that, um, you know, in any combination and that to disagree with that is a form of mental illness, what Freud called repression. Um, he removed any sacredness, any value to the sexual act. It was all about pleasure. And of course, this idea was further promoted by the, uh, the communist movement, the Bolshevik movement, uh, Alexandra Kolontai, one of the main theoreticians of, um, of the Bolshevik revolution and, and, and Lenin's lover, she talked about winged eros and unwinged eros. Winged eros was uh, sexual relations in a context of relationship, uh, you know, sacredness, you know, monogamy, um, you know, values, which she saw as bourgeois and bad because it stood in the way of the great goose step forward into a new man. And she preferred unwinged eros, which she described as sex as having as much meaning as drinking a glass of water. In other words, that the ultimate virtue was to just have sex whenever you want. It was a Freudian idea, the will to pleasure, that the ultimate virtue is to feel good that there are no constrictions, there are no restraints, there are no, you know, values that should be associated with sex. And, um, of course, Freud's idea of the will to pleasure, which is the idea that to become, ha <clears throat> to become happy is the ultimate virtue. Our goal in life is to be happy. I mean, wasn't that the ethos of the 1960s counterculture? Are you happy, Right. I mean, this is the ultimate reason why we're here, why we exist, to experience happiness, to be in the, in the present. There's no such thing as the past. The future will take care of itself. Everything is whatever it is now, whatever feels good. And again, it goes back to the ancient Greek school of the Epicureans. Um, and then you had Adler, 
who also represents a school today, his idea was the will to power. In other words, he gave that the individual should only be a cog in a wheel for a, a state, for, for the greater good. You know, that, uh, that the state, the, the political entity, has almost an organic life. I mean, the idea was really started by Hegel and advanced through, through uh, the years by progressives, that the government, the state, has, you know, a, a birth, a, a, a maturation, a pinnacle, a gradual death, and a, a decline and a death. I mean, I suppose you could say Gibbon expressed this in the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, and perhaps inadvertently. But, but the idea was that the state has its own life and that the individual is to sacrifice for the state outside of himself. He is to view whatever he does in supporting this state or society as the ultimate virtue, the reason why we live. And of course, the culmination of that was Nazism and, and uh, ultra-hyper-nationalism that we have today, where the nation-state becomes the all-encompassing controller. You know, they want to control health care, they want to control welfare, they want to control education, they want to control the means of communication, which is the definition of socialism. And then, of course, the third school is Frankel, Victor Frankel, who actually tapped into the better aspects of our human nature. Now, all three of these schools tap into human nature. There's no question about that. All three of them are real. But Frankel emphasized the meaning element because he viewed that as the key toward success and and individual awareness and, and the development of the individual sovereign person created in the image of God, that we had a sovereign purpose in this short lifetime, that we could achieve something or that we could experience something based upon what our internal will to meaning allowed us to experience. We would have to understand what is our meaning. We would look within you know, that the meaning would emanate from whether that meaning was to become a, you know, a surfer bum, I mean, in, on a beach, or whether it was to be, invent a cure for cancer. The point is that we would concentrate or become a great baseball player. You know, whatever our purpose in life is, we can contemplate that, we can identify that, and then we can work toward achieving it and focus on it. We may not get there, but we can work toward it. And in the process of working toward it, we're going to learn, we're going to develop, we're going to create. Capitalism is all about creation. I saw an interview with George Gilder, a brilliant scholar, on with Mark Levin, where he talked about this, that capitalism is creative. It's, it's the idea of, of developing things where they didn't exist before, inventing things, you know, conceptualizing things, whether they be you know, a skyscraper or whether they be a piece of music or, or, or an art or, or, or something that didn't exist and that you developed it because of your will to meaning. You had an interest in it. You wanted to learn about it and you set about doing that. It's the will to meaning. It's what helped Frankl survive Auschwitz. He had a will to meaning. He wanted to finish his work as a therapist. He wanted to see his family again. 
He wanted to, and he learned techniques in terms of how to survive, which are interesting. You have to read the book. It's, he talks about taking in brief moments of great beauty, whether it be a sunset or looking out a little window and seeing mountainsides. These made him aware of who he was and, and in his place so he could once again reorient himself toward striving toward his purpose. Um, you know, engaging in small, very dis un indiscernible acts of defiance against the totalitarian powers that controlled him. Things like that. I mean, he it's an interesting book. You have to read it. But he develops techniques for survival and for preserving and advancing his internal life, which they could not enslave. They only could enslave his body and his freedom. But they could not take away his, his will to meaning. So Frankel emphasizes the better side of human nature, the side of us that wants to be a sovereign individual and who wants to achieve things for their own sake, who wants to be independent, who wants to self-actualize. And that's why Frankel's approach is discredited by the establishment, because the establishment, the will to pleasure, the will to power, they want to make us subsume our self-interest, our ability to cognitively decide how we are to craft our lives and our own destinies. They want us to look to them, ultimately, as the messiahs, as the secular leaders of a new order that will create a new kind of man, that we can be a part of their thing rather than being a part of our own thing and then finding like-minded individuals to work with us and help us as other self-actualized and sovereign people. So, you know, it's interesting as I study Frankel to realize that he was attacked by the establishment, by the psychiatric establishment. They said, oh, well, he didn't quite get his dates right in his experience in the Holocaust, and that his will to meaning could mean could be applied to Nazis. Not so. His will to meaning, and that's completely false, because his will to meaning is put in the context of Judeo-Christian values and Judeo-Christian faith. That's clear by his life and by his statements, if you read the book carefully. So those are my thoughts on the three schools of psychiatric or psychological thought emanating from progressive Vienna and their consequences. Anyway, I want to thank you for watching, everyone. I'm going to be doing the program as often as possible live, 12 noon, Monday through Friday. My books are available at Amazon.com. Just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, and you shall see them. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Morse Force. And thanks for watching, everyone.